By the time I get to Phoenix She'll be rising She'll find that note I left hanging on her door fans. There is one and only Next Level. I came here to take over. Next Level. I need to ask myself, is it worth it? Yeah. Yeah, it's worth it. Next Level. Anything that you can do. Next Level can do better believe me all right ladies and gentlemen welcome to the next level hitting the marks monday locker room wednesday locker room homming media gorilla position roar network htm sports fuck your mother crossover event it's nxt takeover phoenix and i am of course here with the one and the only mr michael jargo of the monday locker room and the hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast and HTM Sports, Mr. Jargo, it's takeover yet again. Here we are. How are you? You know, the the nice thing about having two branches of NXT is me and Bello get to talk twice as often now. Yeah, that's true. It works out. Works out this very is the nicely. only time that me and Bello will like sit in the same place at the same time because most of the time we want to kill each other. But, you know, <laughs> NXT has brought us together and it makes us whole. Kind of like Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa. Yeah. It is they they complete one another. They are uh, the Renee Zellweger to uh, Tom Cruise and uh, and Jerry Maguire. They they complete me or each other. Actually, they complete me in a way. This feud it's life altering. It affects my life. I actually got up off the couch and cheered as as the finale went off the air tonight. I was I'm emotionally moved by the Gargano and Ciampa saga. But we're going to talk about that when we talk about the main event of NXT Takeover Phoenix. Before we get into all the specifics, Jargo, what'd you think of the show overall? I thought it was awesome. I mean, it's a takeover. Of course, the takeover is going to be awesome. But I thought this takeover was particularly awesome all the way around. Yeah, yeah. It was was another just classic takeover event. And, and, you know, we did just have one two weeks ago, was it, with with NXT UK. So usually they're kind of spread out, maybe too much of a good thing. No, it was perfectly fine. It was awesome and went off without a hitch. It was essentially the DIY takeover, and uh, and it, it worked out magnificently. We're going to get, I, I, I think, a few of these moving forward. But uh, you, sir, are, are, are a pre-show watcher. I'm, I'm not a pre-show watcher. So you, you're telling me there was some awesome stuff going on with Zelina Vega. Why don't you share it with the people? Well, basically what happened on the pre-show is Johnny Gargano versus Andrade. Yes, just Andrade. They even edited Cien Almas out of like the introduction when he was NXT champion. Wow. When they're showing the video package and they just introduce him now as 
Andrade. It was just, that part drove me nuts. I feel like Andrade so, is also the least cool of the three names that they could have went with. As Huckleberry number one said, he now sounds like a gay hairdresser. Yeah. Yeah. I see. Wasn't that Kalisto's Which, gimmick? I actually think it was Kalisto's gimmick at one point, <laughs> but I could see Andrade pulling it off. Like, he also kind of looks like a gay hairdresser. Like, I, like a, I like could a, see it. a Hispanic Zohan, if you will. He can he can work that. Yeah. Very much so. Don't mess with the Zohan. No, don't mess but with so, so Gargano is there and he's accepting the award and talking about what a great match it was. And then Zelina Vega shows up and just buries Johnny Gargano oh. and says, yeah, it was a great match because Andrade was in it. You didn't even win. Why are you getting an award? And what have you done since then? We're on SmackDown Live pinning guys like Rey Mysterio. What have you been doing for the last year? Just buries Damn. the shit out of Gargano, dude. It was fantastic. It makes you remember how good Zelina Vega is because I think she said more in that promo than she has said the entire time she has been on SmackDown Live. And that girl can talk. Yeah. I wouldn't doubt it. They've they've relegated her to like even less than what Lana was doing for Rusev at one point or another. It's now just she comes out, she gets her couple lines in, but yeah, I missed the scathing Zelina Vega verbal lashings. I'm going to have to check that out, apparently. So um, so Zelina buries Johnny, and then Johnny ultimately buries Ricochet later on in the night. So, like, way down the totem pole now for the one and only. But uh, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll get into that. Before we get into the show, we've now done the pre-show. I've got a little uh, business to tend to here. So there, there's a new gentleman that's been on Hacker Hameen Media recently. I don't, I don't know if you're aware, but the Impact Attack now features Matt Schaffer Gage. And whether or not I'm pronouncing your name correctly, I, I frankly don't care anymore. Um, but <laughs> Mr. Schaffer, Mr. MSG, he's getting a little mouthy over there on the Impact Attack. Listen, just because I'm the second least tenured member of Hameen Media does not mean that I'm anything to be fucking with, okay? You want war with the smoke show of the Andrew Bello. You want war with the Wednesday locker room. I can tell you, sir, you, you just don't. You're you're sadly mistaken if that is your mindset. And, and yes, you can hide behind Big Ray all you want. I got the strangler in my corner. And we're going to take him down. We're taking down the impact attack. And we're going to strangle you because uh, I'm gimmick stealing now. And uh, yeah, just 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 watch what you say, Shaffer. It's just just a fair warning. I'm putting it out there now, and uh, we're we're still not getting you a chair for the locker room. I am uh, Switzerland in this argument because uh, obviously, you know, MSG, the copy paste guy, he is a member of the Huckleberry Club, which I am a founder of. You know, it's kind of my gimmick, even though Huckleberry Number One's going out there and trying to recruit new Huckleberries and recruiting a bunch of dingleberries and but <laughs> but i'm also a member of the eight track core That's which true. which yourself you know you're a very proud member of yeah. and it's like you know i'm a member of two gangs and suddenly they want to fight so i'm just i'm switzerland i'm neutral i y'all right. can whichever one's still standing well, I figured this is this is good news for you because now your Huckleberry number one is now not at the top of the shit list anymore. He, he has worked his way off of it after after the after the locker room name controversy, but that is now dead and buried. And uh, and here we are, getting ready to talk some takeover. So you ready to get into it? I'm ready, man. Awesome. So we open up with War Machine in a big, elaborate Viking esque entrance. Uh, cool little way to to open up the show here. They're taking on. 
the Undisputed Era, Kyle O'Reilly, Roderick Strong, and this is for the NXT Tag Team titles. Uh, I, I did not take a ton of move-by-move move analysis here, so if you have any spots, whatever it is that you want to talk about, but uh, ultimately, the Undisputed Era, they managed to isolate Hanson to get Roe kind of out of the picture for a while, and they simply, the both of them, could not put this one man away. Hanson battles back, Roe recovers, and the War Machine, or the War Raiders, or the artist formerly known as War Machine, are now your new NXT Tag Team Champions. Mr. Jargo, what did you think of this match? I don't think I have ever been so disappointed by an amazing match. Right. Uh, on... On, on, on two different levels. Number one, I was sad at the beginning of the match because I wanted to see Red Dragon versus War Machine. I wanted Bobby Fish and Kyle mm-hmm. O'Reilly versus Hanson and Rowe. I've seen that match before. I know how freaking good it is. And I thought it would be a nice little play, you know, for Undisputed Era. Oh, you were prepared for Roddy, but instead you're going to get Bobby. And, mm. You know, nice little twist. Yeah. And then... War Machine winning this match. I mean, while I'm happy to see Roe and Hanson win NXT Tag Team Championships, they, they've joined some very, very rare company in winning those titles. They are now the second team to ever win ROH Tag Titles, IWGP Tag Titles, as well as NXT Tag Titles. Wow. What in the hell? Why are we keeping them in NXT, man? Like, the Raw right. Tag Team division could use War Machine, like, three weeks ago. Why are we keeping them in NXT? Yeah, I, 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 I don't know either, honestly. I was kind of thinking about that as I was making my pick earlier in the week, um, in that it makes so much sense for them to move up to the main roster, but the Undisputed Era we know are sticking around for a while because this is apparently going to be the year of the Undisputed Era. They're going to take all the gold, and here they are opening up the year losing some of the very gold that they had, the only gold that they have at this particular moment in time. So off to a rough start for them, but uh, uh, go ahead. This is true, but now Bobby Fish has got himself some gold because the Undisputed Era is walking around with the NXT award for best tag team of the year, 2018. So, you know, last year he carried around the Dusty Memorial Trophy. This year, he's got the award that says they're the best tag team in NXT. So at least Bobby Fish, the least important member of Undisputed <laughs> Era, has something to do with his hands at this point. He does. He, he's just the trophy carrier, and he wonders why Velveteen Dream makes the type of implications he made on Wednesday. I'm just saying. It may it may just be true, Bobby. You might just need to... You might just be Bobby Bitch. They, just, we, they could change the name. We'll get a chant, undoubtedly, that's <laughs> from Full Sail at some point. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the same way as you with this. It was a really, really good match. I, for one, am sort of a bigger fan of the, the O'Reilly strong tandem, so more so than the Red Dragon thing, only because I've seen Red Dragon a bajillion times. Roddy adds a, a new kind of twist to it. I'm a bigger fan of strong than I am fish. And, um, this match in particular, I mean, how many times have we seen Red Dragon versus War Machine? So at least to get the little variance there, um, I, I was excited about it, but at the same time. I feel like once you've seen one really good War Machine match, you've seen all the really good War Machine matches. They're all, I mean, it's impressive that these guys can do what they can do, but it's all, it's, it's all almost the exact same match. And, and with these guys, it was very much akin to the old Red Dragon matches. It was a great match. It was just somewhat personally underwhelming, I suppose, much like you found yourself. I feel like especially Hanson and Kyle O'Reilly have really good chemistry together. 
Yeah. There's just something about the way that those two guys work together. And like with Hanson doing his stupid cartwheels and shit, that doesn't work against anybody other than Kyle O'Reilly, who yeah. has a leg sweep as part of his everyday offense. It's true. He worked a couple of those into this match, too. And it's it's always impressive whenever you see Hanson moving around like that. Um, but again, it's like I, I'm not seeing anything new and exciting from these guys. And, and I guess like if you weren't already a huge fan of War Machine or the War Raiders. Like, I could see where people are just kind of missing this altogether. Um, I, I'm a fan, but I'm not that big of a fan, I guess is kind of how I feel about it. And they're going to be our champions now. What? Where does this leave the Undisputed Era? Does this mean that they're going to reshuffle? Because it seems like something happened months back where they had two guys that are the tag team champions, and it's O'Reilly and Strong, where they used to kind of do a Freebird thing. Do they work their way back? to Red Dragon so that Roddy can be freed up to win either the North American or UK title. This really uh, reminded me that, man, if Roderick Strong was like four or five inches taller, Mm -hmm. he'd be Randy Orton. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's the best comparison you can possibly make. He would be a motivated Randy Orton. Yeah, he'd be a Randy Orton I could buy as a baby face. Yeah, basically. Yeah, Yeah, pretty much. I, I still I have a hard time buying Roddy as a heel. Yeah, see, I'm liking it. I, I, <laughs> I like it because he just reminds me of like James Vanderbeek, like douchebag uh, high school quarterback. They just haven't done anything. No, he's just super awkward too. They're they're super awkward, and their NWO lightness it's very very awkward. <laughs> but it's all about Kyle O'Reilly, man. Kyle O'Reilly makes that whole freaking group for me because he's so. Kyle O'Reilly, I, I he has been a guilty pleasure of mine for a very, very long time. Unfortunately, I don't see him ever being anything more than a tag team wrestler inside of a WWE context, kind of like Cesaro. Yeah, I think you're probably right, and, and, and maybe that's best case scenario because otherwise I could see him being, you know, sucked away into the, the black hole that is 205 Live. Although, I will say... Since um, Umberto Carrillo has been there, I've seen more clips of 205 Live in like the last two weeks than I think I've ever seen before in my life. So if somebody is virtually uh, unknown as him can go over there and make a splash, maybe you know, maybe people are starting to watch it. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like the new class that they have coming into the Performance Center in February is a 205 Live reboot waiting to happen. Trevor Lee, ACH... Kushida, Shane Strickland. It it feels like it's wow. a 205 live reboot just walking into the performance center. Yeah. I wonder if that means they're gonna like do something with that brand on a more consistent basis. Do they get a takeover? I happen to see somebody make a make that suggestion. You know, it wouldn't be takeover, but does two oh five get its own show at some point for us to actually, you know, have that attachment that we have with those other brands? Well, number one, make 205 Live something I want to watch. Yeah. And then we'll talk about giving them a feature show. Yeah, that's fair enough. I don't know. NXT wasn't always something everybody wanted to watch, I guess. But, yeah. No, I guess it always was. Adding Kushida helps. Yeah, it will. I mean, outside of Buddy Murphy, I barely know anybody that's on 205 Live other than whoever Buddy Murphy is beating tomorrow at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. I feel like it's just like the same guys it's been since the beginning and and you know the show itself was fine for a while and then it just definitely took a nosedive and i don't think it ever fully recovered and and because it's all just the same faces 
shuffled around for the last couple of years. You know, Umberto Carrillo is not moving the needle. <laughs> it's just not think of how different. Think of how different we would view 205 Live by now if they would have signed Kota Ibushi and Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, that's true. It would be its... And it, it wasn't due to lack of trying. Those two guys were just like, no, we're not signing. And they were like, shit, we got to go with TJ Perkins. Yeah, but, you know, they do have guys on the roster that they could throw in there that they don't. Like, there's Finn Balor, AJ Styles, and Daniel Bryan could all be there, too. They could make that the best show on television if they really wanted to. But for whatever reason, they decide not to. Um, yeah, I don't know. Well, we'll see. 205. I'm interested to see how they fare in this World's Collide tournament because I feel like they're just going to get buried as they try to prop up the NXT brands for whatever reason. I'm more upset that we're shooting NXT UK television at Royal Rumble Access. Oh, really? I mean, I think that'll be cool. No? Three weeks of UK television already being filmed in the States? Like, I'd understand it like if it was a episode, but three weeks? Yeah, I mean, I think that's just a logistics thing. I mean, you get, if you're going to do a taping, do some tapings, you know? Oh, no, I think that I think our friends in the UK would be very, very upset. Well, they could suck it. They got their takeover over there before we ever, before they ever had a brand. So, like, we're, we'll call it even. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, so moving back on to takeover, Matt Riddle, Cassius Ono. This is still a thing. Um, hopefully it will no longer be a thing. The bro wins, bro. I mean, we all saw this coming. There, there was um, some weird foot play throughout the course of this match. And it dawned on me, maybe Cassius Ono, maybe this whole time, this whole feud was really just an excuse for Cassius Ono to put Matt Riddle's feet in his mouth. I like feet. I do not know why. Put some shoes on, you fucking hippie! That's no. what I think. No. I want Put to, some shoes on. I want to see Jesus fucking Christ. I was so fucking happy. Yes, yeah, stomp on that motherfucker's <laughs> feet. You bite his goddamn toes. Put on some fucking shoes. God damn. I don't want to see your goddamn feet. Fucking hippie ass shit is that. Put on some fucking shoes. But but if you were to fight him, are you going to put his feet in your mouth? No. Okay. Well, Cassius Ono did that. I would stomp on that motherfucker's like Ono did. It's it it was uh it was an interesting little uh, little angle they went with there. I mean, it was only a matter of time before somebody did this to Matt Riddle, and uh, he didn't really learn his lesson as he ended up winning here. But uh, just uh, really Cassius Ono. It's not bad enough. It's not bad enough. You're Cassius Ono. Now you're Cassius Ono with Matt Riddle's feet in your mouth. I didn't have any issues with it. I had no problems with it. I think that's exactly what fucking Matt Riddle deserves. Put some goddamn shoes. God, it, it infuriates me. Man. I know. I know. You're super hot about this. I'm just waiting for the day that we get to see Matt Riddle in a no DQ match and he clubs somebody to death with a sandal. Oh, Jesus Christ. It's yes. With a sandal. Just. Bro. <laughs> Bro, what did, you, what did you think of this final? The, the, this, this, uh, the, the end of this match here. So it's a submission via forearms to the face. <laughs> I love this. What did you think? I mean, it's it's the UFC stoppage thing. I mean, yeah. that's that's what they went with, which I it fits Matt Riddle's character. I've heard a lot of people talking about how, oh my God, this is still going. This is still going, and it's like this is of all the matches going into this weekend. This is the match that had the most storyline build to it. 
Yeah, well, whether it was good or not, I mean, at least this was a long-term story. This went from one takeover to the next takeover. It's true. I feel like it not only dragged out too long, though, but then you got you got Keith Lee in the mix. Like they had to job out Keith Lee to Cassius Ono to extend this out to some level of legitimacy. Uh, I'm sorry. Cassius Ono should not be beating Keith Lee <laughs> under any fucking circumstances. And yeah, Keith Lee will probably come back now and, and beat Cassius Ono's ass after this takeover. And uh, Cassius Ono could continue to fall down the card. But it, it come on, man. Like, <laughs> I'm excited to see Matt Riddle f- wrestle somebody else now. Like, that I'm really stoked about. Who do we see uh, Riddle going up against? Well, how? when is the next Dusty Classic? The next Dusty Classic. Well, they, they isn't don't, yeah, that coming up? They usually don't. Do they have a set time of year for that? I feel like they just kind of do it when they feel like doing it. Hmm. Because I kind of want to see like the Finn Balor and Samoa Joe storyline like redone with Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. I could see where that. they're boys and, and and they team up and they run through the Dusty Classic. Maybe they win. Maybe they don't. And then everything goes to hell and Keith Lee turns on Matt Riddle and that is the next program going forward for both of them. Yeah, I could see that definitely being uh, an angle because they've been since both of them arrived. They've just been buddies like I'm sure they are friendly, but it's just like it seems like they've been joined to the hip basically since uh, they both came in, which was basically week one week after the other. Um, So, hey, man, Matt Riddle versus Keith Lee. Sign me up. I'm all about it. Um, I'm pretty much excited to see Riddle against anybody other than Ono, in my opinion. It'll be an upgrade. Well, that and I feel like we got to do something with Keith Lee because right now he's kind of stumbling out the gate as much as anybody has. Yes. He's presented as a a complete bait face and then he tells everybody to bask in his glory, which sounds like such a heel thing to say. We got to do something with Keith Lee. It does. And basking in what glory exactly? You've lost to Lars Sullivan who can't even like step out from behind the curtain on Monday Night Raw. And you've oh, lost. Oh, that's the, not what I heard. Oh, is that it? All right, hold on. And then you've lost the Cassius Ono, who, again, is Cassius Ono. But all right, go ahead, stooge the stooge the Lars stuff if you got some. Uh, the 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 big thing about Lars going around right now is that he faked an anxiety attack to duck out, so he didn't have to take a wellness policy test. Ooh, okay. All that's right. the story going around right now. That's interesting. All right. I mean. It is what it is. It's Lars Sullivan. The fact that they were ever really planning on doing anything significant with him is frightening to begin with. Maybe this is just all a blessing in disguise. Well, I mean, dude, you mean like Lars Sullivan doesn't look like Vince McMahon walked into one of those genetics labs and got to create his own baby? Yeah, I mean, I feel like... I mean, we're hearing all this now that scientists can like alter DNA and you can get whatever hair color you want, whatever eye color you want, whatever muscular build you want. Like that looks like a Vince McMahon child, like drawn up in a lab. It's true. I have been talking about Vince breeding his own wrestlers on the Wednesday locker room. Who... What what wrestlers is Lars like the the offspring of? Is this like a, like Paul White and Luna Vachon? Like, well, what what is this? <laughs> that sounds pretty legit. Okay, there you go. Um, put that in your kayfabe. That's now canon. Um, <laughs> moving on from now, uh, from there, Ricochet versus Johnny Gargano for the North American title, and what is what was. Like the greatest fucking wrestling match you're ever gonna see in your life. This was this was really really good. I was from from bell to bell. I was really stoked about this. I had predicted 
on the Next Level Wrestling Podcast earlier in the week that we were going to get Ciampa helping Johnny and Johnny helping Ciampa and then get the moment that we got at the end. I did not quite get all of that, but we do have a new North American champion, uh, Johnny Gargano, coming out in his dark Phoenix gear, which was interesting because they're in Phoenix. He's sort of a heel. Dark Phoenix. Ha ha. Uh, and then Ricochet doing the Miles Morales gimmick because of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. That was not lost on me, Marvel nerds. Um, usually I hate reverse Rana spots, but the one that they did outside the ring was fucking beautiful. It was just, it was beautiful. It looked both devastating and well executed. It was really hard to wrap my head around. Uh, and then we get Johnny Gargano exposing the concrete on the outside, uh, akin to the unsanctioned match with Tommaso Ciampa. At first he kind of snaps to his senses and finds a little mercy in what's left of his heart. And, uh, and then shortly thereafter, after he almost gets rolled up and beaten, then he decides to use the concrete. He does. He hits a brain buster on the outside, and Johnny Gargano pins Ricochet after hitting a slingshot soup, uh, DDT back into the ring. And at this point in the broadcast, I was 3-0 and on my picks. I was very happy with myself. And for our new champion, what did you think? I thought it was incredible, man. Uh, this match goes 24 minutes, 35 seconds of awesome. I mean, what right. what more could you want out of a match? My, I guess my only question is, okay, so now it seems we're going to go to Velveteen Dream and Johnny Gargano for the North American Championship. What does Ricochet do going forward out of this? Yeah, that that does uh, does leave an interesting point. I don't know exactly. I mean, I'm sure he's well. He's going to get a rematch against Gargano, so we're going to get another one of these matches. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Stevie. Um, does but, does it play into this 205 Live reboot? It, it could. Did you see Ricochet go ahead and move on from NXT at this point? Maybe he's a surprise entrant oh. in the Rumble, and that's and, it of Ricochet in NXT. I think he sort of three-quarters of the way answered it there. I think WrestleMania weekend, your match is Ricochet versus Kushida at NXT TakeOver. You just have, uh, you know, Ricochet, what am I going to do next? And then, boom, like fucking you know, the, the DeLorean drops into full sail and out steps Kushida. As long as it ain't creepy little Kushida. Oh, I want creepy little Kushida, too. Did they, did they get him in the deal? Does he come with the contract? I don't know, because I'm, I'm pretty sure that Doc is staying in Japan. Oh, that's a bummer. Anyway. It's going to be interesting to see if he brings over the time splitter gimmick, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what do you do with Kushida? Like, what kind of gimmick do you put on Kushida? Have you seen the Nikes that are the Marty McFly Nikes? I just saw them for the first time yesterday. The self-lacing shoes. This is that that blew my mind. I had to watch like YouTube clips to to, to fully understand what it was all about. What the fuck? Pretty man? cool stuff. We got self-lacing shoes, but we don't have a fucking cure for the common cold. What is going on? <laughs> like what? What the fuck, man? Come on, Bello, you're smart enough to know that they don't want to care for the common cold because how do they make money off people getting sick? God, if people aren't getting sick, how are we going to make any money? Oh, man, you just you took that bait. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> we, 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 need, we, need, we needed to get that out to the masses. And instead of me bitching about it, I figured I'd let you. Uh, yeah, well, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm on board with angry vegan Kurt Cobain. I mean, the new Daniel Bryan. Angry vegan Kurt Cobain. It's, it's all too real. Uh, anything else on Gargano Ciampa, aka the greatest wrestling match that we've ever seen until next takeover? Oh well, I mean, we'll we'll, we'll come back to Johnny uh, takeover here a little bit later when we get to uh, the champ. 
Fair enough. Well, speaking of champs, let's get to the ladies' champ, uh, Shayna Baszler. One uh, one quarter of the four horse women, one third of the non Ronda horse women, and one half of the greater half of the horse women. Uh, but Bel Air and number one, the best of all the horse women. We'll see. We'll see what Ronda does up against the personification of professional wrestling tomorrow night, and then we'll see. Um, <laughs> It's a, it's the personification a, of professional wrestling. Right. You heard Rhonda. She right is clicks, professional wrestling. <laughs> there, there it is. Um, so, yes, uh, Bianca Belair, Shayna Baszler. This was, this was a match I was really looking forward to. It's clearly probably the most athletically gifted pairing in the history of women's wrestling matches. Like, have we ever seen two women with the athletic credentials and capabilities of these two lock up in, in WWE before. Cause I can't think of who except for somebody in Charlotte, but I can't think of who was ever wrestled with Charlotte that I could put in this category. So Bianca Belair, Shayna Baszler, one of them's undefeated. The other one's the champ. One of them has to give. And Bianca Belair is no longer undefeated as Shayna Baszler triumphs with a little help from her friends and uh it was a good match though man this was impressive bianca should have won in all likelihood because the ref took a bump and 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 bianca hit her finish and the crowd counted to about eight before she got up and realized what was going on um marina and jessamine come out and attack even though they really didn't get anything done because bianca pretty much took care of them in short order and then she fights out of two three kirifuda clutches but the last one was just too much for her, and she goes to sleep, as often is the case with Shayna Baszler opponents. Mr. Jargo, after the greatest wrestling match that we've seen until the next takeover, how do you follow that? How about a hell of a women's match? I feel like the finish fell flat for people. Uh, there was a lot of conversation inside of the Hameen Media discussion group where people just didn't like the finish, and it's like, it's Shayna Baszler, that's... That's what she do for the finish. She chokes people out. That's kind of the idea. Uh, my only issue was Bianca getting out of the Caracuda clutch. Uh, I, 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 it's, it's one of those spots that just drives me absolutely batshit crazy because there's absolutely no way in hell that she could have possibly gotten out of that move unless Shayna Baszler wanted to let her out of that move. Right. It's kind of like the, the the spot that we're seeing all the time now where somebody gets somebody in a triangle and then somebody stands up and turns it into a power bomb. Mm-hmm. No, if you, if you stand up in a triangle, you're going to sleep. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. So it's just one of those spots that drives me absolutely freaking insane. I feel like Bianca Belair actually won this match because Baszler was right at post-match after the match, Baszler says, listen, this loss was not your fault because you didn't belong here to begin with. I feel like the point of this match was Bianca Belair belongs in this conversation for NXT champion. She had a lot to prove to a lot of people, and she came out and she proved it, whether she won or lost. I think this was a good match for both of these women all the way around. Absolutely. Yeah, I was just going to say that is that it's both of them look great. It's that like Shayna. You know, we're, we're kind of lacking for legitimate competitors for her at this point. She steamrolled through, you know, Ember Moon and Kyrie Sane twice, I guess, or whatever. Um, and Dakota Kai and, and Candice LeRae. Like, the last time she wrestled Candice LeRae was, like, the last time we saw her in anything other than jeans confronting Johnny Gargano about something. Um, 
you know, with all of that said, Bianca Belair, they've been building up on the other end. Here she comes, undefeated. And, you know, she did very much look like she belonged because she's never faced anyone quite like Shayna before. And the two of them in the ring, like, I don't know, it felt different than than your typical women's match. Like, not to poo-poo the women or anything like that, but these two women, like, they have some stature about them. Like, it didn't look all that different from watching, like, Seth Rollins wrestle. Not to say that they're at that level, but, um, you know, it's just, it, it felt like two people out there fucking throwing strikes at one another, which, you know, often we see with the women, even the best of them, you get the fans every so often. They just completely miss one another or whatever it was. These two, they put it out there. The hair whip spot was cool. You knew Shayna was going to use the hair uh, against Bianca at some point or another, and, and she did a couple of times. But it, this match was more or less everything I thought it'd be, except I thought Bianca Belair was probably going to win just because I figured Shayna Baszler on the main roster, popping up in the Rumble, showing up on Monday Night Raw after Ronda has essentially beaten the last of the legitimate contenders on Raw. Um, you know, maybe maybe that was the plan, but... Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, we'll see. Uh, they could always just call her up anyway, have her drop the title real quick on TV, so um, I don't know, man, but this was, you know, they were put in a tough spot. They had to follow Gargano and, and, and Ricochet and go before Ciampa and Black, so it, considering what, you know, what the spot they were in, I think they really outperformed. I think the other thing that they did that was really, really smart is Shayna Baszler did so much character work inside of this match. We know that Baszler can go inside of the ring. We know what her offense looks like. We know all of that, what a, what a legitimate contender that she is. But it's been all about the character, and her promos have really come along. She's sitting there talking smack to Belair throughout this entire match, which did two things. Number one, it puts more heat on Baszler as if she needs more heat. <laughs> and the other thing it did is it solidified the Bianca Belair babyface turn that they've kind of been struggling with. And that was kind of my issue with this match coming into it. When this match was booked, it was booked as heel versus heel. Right. And we just turned Bianca Belair out of absolutely nowhere, but Baszler was a big enough bitch throughout this entire match that everybody was behind Belair by the end of it, and it solidified her as a babyface. It's true. I mean, it could be said that pretty much anybody against Baszler at this point is going to be the babyface anyway. I mean, she is just so hated, and she's done such a good job of building that heat, but uh, we're probably going to get another one of these not too far down the road. Uh, particularly, and it sucks. It, it sucks, Bello. It sucks. It sucks that we're going to get it. Because you were right. You were right all along. It was Dakota Kai. The person to take this title was Dakota Kai, and now she's out with an ACL tear, so I don't know what the hell we do. Yeah, I can't believe that that, you know, that they were actually building it that whole time, and then she fucking gets it. It sure seems that way, don't it? It does. Oh, man. What What a shame. I mean, you called that shit like four months ago that that's what they were building to yeah i got that about as early on as i got the one two punch teaming up which was i think as, as early as was conceivable <laughs> was these two were going to be the bar and then sure enough they were um hey 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 speaking of the one two punch how about our boys fabian eichner and marcel bartel my new favorite tag team in nxt dude that match on on wednesday was just bonkers awesome. the, the one two versus the eu man like give me that Every week, Uncle Paul, Lord Stevie, make this happen, okay? Just, just give me that match every week. If you gave him eight minutes, it would be a different match every week for the year. 
they're, they're my new favorite tag team, man. Dude, dude, those guys are great, man. As soon as they announced that match, like, my eyes lit up like a, like a fucking kid on Christmas. I was like, yes, this is going to be great. It's like uh, they announced Kick-Ass 3 is going to be made. That'd be awesome. Um, Wait, they did? or you're No, like... if they did. Because I was oh. just talking, I was just talking about this with somebody yesterday. I was like, "Dude, what the fuck? Why haven't they made a Kick-Ass three? I don't know." Oh, it would be so bad. Anyway, that was that 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 had me excited, like the end of this match that we're about to talk about. Well, I am sorry to get your hopes up, but we are about to talk about the main event, and of course, the main event features the main event player, Tommy Sports Entertainment, the greatest professional wrestler i'm sorry the greatest sports entertainer of all time because we do sports entertaining here in the wwe tomaso champa our nxt champion the greatest nxt champion of all time taking on alistair black um who who is finally in a main event welcome to the main event mr black and this match was also pretty fucking bananas but we get a a couple of reptilian references. Billy Ray actually was going to join us if he could watch this live and unfortunately couldn't. So I got to put this in here for him. Nigel says Ciampa has almost reptilian eyes. And then Black is wearing clearly reptilian like leg kick, like knee pads and kick pads and stuff like that. Just throwing it out there. The symbolism. Isn't that kind of like Alistair Black's gimmick though? Like his body is literally covered in all kinds of occult symbolism. Yes. So, I mean, just we're adding that on top of it. But then Tommaso Ciampa, reptilian eyes, it would explain his sudden random dominance if, he, if in fact, he was replaced by a reptile. Just just throwing it out there. It's a theory. Uh, See, I just I, I, I thought that he was using whatever the strangler Steve King is using for that beautiful beard of his. Oh, OK. I think the beard, the beard is a side effect of whatever he's taken for those gargantuan arms of his. But um, shout out to the Strangler, Steve. I to put the arms over. It's always it always helps. Um, <laughs> it prevents me from future stragglings. Um, so it's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not a bad place to be. But uh, in this match, we get uh, we get Chompa going after the leg of of uh alistair black his whole promo is building up this is that he's a one-trick pony he's gonna take away the black mask he's gonna take away 90 percent of his offense with the kicks uh well orchestrated well executed on the on the part of Tommaso champa who's even impressed with himself during this match as he's leaning up against the ropes and he's like i'm so damn good i'm just so like he's in actually in awe of how great he is as it's it's hard to blame him because my god he is so damn good um, I knew Ciampa was winning this match by the amount of times Mauro Ronaldo said Black almost became the two-time champion. Like, after about nine of those, I was like, yeah, he's losing. Uh, Ciampa also exposes the concrete, akin to the Ciampa-Gargano unsanctioned match and the Gargano versus Ricochet match from earlier in the night. Black hits a Meteora off the apron onto the concrete. Not a smart move, as his left leg has been worked over a million times at this point in the match. Uh, black hits a black mask. Champa rolls onto his belly at like the last possible second. That was a good little spot. Uh, Champa pulls the ref in between him and Black as Black attempts another black mask, uh, and then Black's leg ultimately gives out as he tries one more. And Champa has to hit what he hit four, four fairy tale endings. After Black kicked out of the first two, Champa decided to hit him with a bonus at the end there. So he got two, and that was all she wrote. The champ, still the champ. Goldie stays where Goldie belongs, and then, well, let's not get into then. Let's talk about this match first. Mr. Jargo, 
the main event for NXT TakeOver Phoenix. What do you have to say, sir? 26 minutes and 33 seconds. That's what this match went. And it was awesome. Yeah, All the way around, it was 26 awesome. minutes of awesome. And, and you know, it's not just this match. It's If you look at every match on this card, there was psychology to all of these matches. All the moves actually had a purpose. Well, maybe with the exception of Ricochet and Gargano and some of the insane stupid shit. Like, can somebody explain to me why, it, why would you do a shooting star press when you could just do a frog splash? Like, aren't you going to hit the guy with the same amount of impact? No, see, the extra rotation when timed properly is, is adding torque in addition to simple force. Just don't worry about it. It works. I'm starting to think Jim Cornette's on to something. Uh, but as far as, like, Ciampa and Black went, it was great. War Raiders and Undisputed Era, the psychology throughout the match. It was great. Yep. Baszler and Bel Air, the psychology throughout the match was great. And you can take all the psychology that you saw tonight and throw it in the trash because you're not going to see any of it tomorrow. And that's the part that just drives us insane. The only thing that I will say that was incredibly overdone is that damn Indy were going to stand in the middle of the ring and punch each other in the face spot because I think we saw it in every freaking match tonight. Yeah, it's just, well, the Booyah spot, right? That's that's what we it's get. It's so overdone. Well, see, and that spot actually originated in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I actually just read a book about this a oh. couple of weeks ago. It's called Lion's Pride by Chris Charlton, and it documents the entire history of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that spot, the actual origins of it was young lions taking an ass whipping and showing that they still had fighting spirit, standing up for themselves in the middle of the ring, taking these damn forearms to the side of the head. And the stupid American indie workers were like, oh, we're going to bring that spot back to the United States. And now we have it in every fucking match. And sometimes we do it Stop. with headbutts. <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even get me started on headbutts. Uh, and now Shibata's training for a return to the ring? Are you freaking kidding me? I'm not going to watch that. I'll wrestle Shibata. Oh. Yeah, I'll do it. Okay, that I would watch. There you go. Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, move, I'm moving houses, people. I'm getting That's houses. right. Andrew Bello. He's hashtag the draw. Sammy Callahan ain't got nothing <laughs> on Andrew Bello. So the smoke oh, show slash hashtag the draw. Yeah. Tommaso Ciampa. <laughs> throwing, throwing some dragon screw leg whips in there with the best of them, man. Like straight Hiroshi Tanahashi style. I thought Aleister Black was great in his selling, which has always been one of my biggest digs on Aleister Black. Um, even like when he was like running over, like he was going to do the golden triangle moonsault mm -hmm. and he's like nursing it as he's running across yeah. the ring. I thought it looked freaking great. And Ciampa runs around the corner on the other side. Uh, I thought it was great that when Ciampa grabbed the bottle of water, my wife's like, what is he doing? And I was like, hydrating. He's got to stay hydrated. It's important. And sure enough, <laughs> Nigel's like, you gotta, you gotta put in the hydration. Yep. It was like yes, and then uh, and then Black slipped on the water later on in the match too, which clearly looked like it was supposed to be a spot because he, he there's no physical way he could have spilt on the um, slipped on the amount of water that was there. <laughs> like, I but thought they were gonna end the match like that. Like it was that. like oh no, <laughs> so good. But I you know the problem becomes, and this is one of the things that Rick and I talk about on the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast all the time. How long were they putting this match together? 
how long did we go through all of these spots and plan everything out? Like, yeah, NXT is putting out these great freaking matches, but can we really expect the main roster to be putting out stuff of this level of quality when they've got to go out and do it five freaking days a week? Yeah, I mean, it's obviously, yeah, if they have to do it five days a week, it makes it a lot more difficult to do it at this level, obviously, but... Um, I don't know. I mean, like, look at the Ricochet Gargano match. How much of that do you think they really needed to rehearse in in the traditional sense of rehearsal? Like, they've wrestled each other a million times. They've done this, you know. They probably pulled most of that match out of their ass from spots that they've already done a billion times. Uh, you know, that might not that's need true. quite as Especially much choreography. Especially those two guys. Yeah, well, that's... And you run into that a lot in NXT, and really... What they should be doing on house show loops is doing that, is, is kind of mixing people up so that, you know, Gargano can go out there on any given night and have one of these matches with, you know, 10 guys on the NXT roster as opposed to two or three. So. I just wonder what happens when you, let's say that they call Johnny Gargano up. He's in the Royal Rumble tomorrow and he shows up on SmackDown Live on Tuesday. Okay, great. Now go out there and have that same match with Shelton Benjamin. You've got two hours to put it together. Yeah, see, I think I don't know, man. I don't know how you difficult know, that would I, be. And that's, but I mean, that becomes the problem with the main roster versus what we're seeing inside of NXT right now. Like, I know, and you know, we're not going to see anything to the level of Champa versus Black tomorrow. We're not going to see anything to the level of Gargano versus Ricochet tomorrow. They just don't have the storytelling even going into it to supply it with that same level of match. Yeah, but even like on the main roster, like what would be the equivalent of something like this? Like, um, like, AJ like, Styles versus Daniel Bryan for the WWE Championship. Perfect example. Those guys have been wrestling on house shows for a month now. And, you know, by the time we get to the, what it will ultimately be the finished product at Royal Rumble tomorrow night, is it all that different from what NXT guys are doing in that they're just doing these matches on house shows and then they're giving us the final product at a takeover? You know, it's not it's not as if they're choreographing it all that much differently. Like they're they're probably not sitting down storyboarding this thing in the in the PC uh, unless there's a certain level of the the Tommaso Ciampa Gargano storytelling aspect that they want to work into the match. But um, yeah, I, I don't know, you know, how much how much the, the level of difficulty steps up when you go up to the main roster and when you you know you're talking about a guy like Shelton Benjamin. Sean Benjamin's been calling matches with guys he doesn't even know the same fucking language as for like the last 12 years. So, um, you know, he could probably do that. I'm sure there's plenty of guys on the main roster that fall into that category. You know, funny enough, the way that that works, evidently the Japanese guys, they still speak English, at least for that. Interesting. Yeah, like the matches are still called in English. I wonder if there's guys out there that still speak like full-blown Carney. If you're a pro wrestler out there and you're speaking full-blown like Carney lingo... Holler at me. I'd love to learn. Um, but <laughs> go ahead. Uh, the other the other thing that I saw tonight that I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention. Stop. I Because I, I've seen it like three or four times now from different talents. Stop trying to recreate the Kota Ibushi and Will Ospreay spot. Because it takes too much coordination with the camera people. Like, did you did you catch tonight that Ricochet and Gargano, they did that spot? Which spot? Where you get the uh, the Frankensteiner off the top rope, Ricochet lands oh, on his Oh, yes, feet. yes, yes. Gargano looks over his shoulder at Ricochet. Ricochet looks over his shoulder at Gargano. But unfortunately, the camera it was at a different turnbuckle, so the entire shot was lost. 
Yeah, that was the uh, the first time I ever saw that it was Ricochet and Ibushi, actually. Um, right after Ricochet won the 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 uh, best of the Super Juniors and went on to that face was the Fuji. match. That's the match that invented dot 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 dive. Yeah, it was awesome. You know what? Fuck it. I'm a dot 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 dive guy. What can I say? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, the, the, look, everyone's always trying to up the ante with these spots. I'm. You know, I, I worry about guys like Osprey and Ibushi when they do these sorts of things. I mean, we saw what happened to poor Hiromu. Um, there's 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 a certain level of, hey, maybe that's too far. But let's put it in contrast with some of the shit that we used to see 20 years ago, where it was like, how how far can I jump off of the highest thing into the sharpest thing? And <laughs> like even like CCW shit like 10 years ago, people jumping off of roofs into pallets of fucking glass tube light bulbs um you know i'll take the i'll take the abushi spot i I don't think that's that's quite as dangerous i'm happy that you brought up poor hiromu because hiromu is a perfect example of what i was talking about where we, we we talk about aj and brian being the example for for that side of the coin the other side of the coin is what happened to Hiromu Takahashi because that doesn't happen if Dragon Lee doesn't wrestle four matches the day before that. Yeah, that's probably true. They've definitely done that spot up several times. Having said that, that is one of the dumbest, most dangerous moves I think I've ever seen. So absolutely doing that 20 minutes into any match is just straight up asinine. Stupid. Yeah. Um, anyway, so before we fall any farther off the path here, we got Black and Ciampa. Ciampa retains, and then we get what I'm calling the evil DIY Benoit Guerrero WrestleMania 20 moment. This was all I hoped it would be short of a hug. I'll give it a 9 out of a 10 because I wanted the hug so bad, and potentially Candice LeRae coming out and freaking out about it, but it, it happened. The two of them, they seem to be on the same page. They're at least being civil. They're standing side by side, holding titles in the air, and they're not in each other's faces or hitting each other with anything. It's it's a step in the right direction. Jargo, evil DIY. Well, where do we even go from here? The only thing I thought that was missing, I didn't want the hug, I didn't want it a handshake or, or Candace or anything, but I wanted them to kill Ciampa's music and, and cue oh, the DIY music. Wow, that would have been... That would have been cool to and then go off the air with them both standing there holding up the titles, looking at each other. That would have been cool. Um, Huckleberry had a good idea on hitting the marks the other day that DIY need to reunite and go after the tag team titles. And I'm all on board for that. But I have a caveat. Uh, you only get one match. That's it. They, they, they go for the tag team titles in one match and it takes place at takeover Chicago. Okay. And they fail. And as they're making their exit, Gargano grabs Ciampa and throws him into the goddamn video board. And this was all a ruse for Ciampa to trust Gargano again. And then Gargano to turn around and stab Ciampa in the back. After all, we all know that Gargano is the hero of this story. He's told us that over and over and over. This is all a ruse. This is just, I'm trying to get him to trust me again so that I can turn around and fuck him over and see, we finally win. My only question is, does that turn Tommy Entertainment babyface? Yeah, I believe it would. I think actually, you know what? In that moment, 
I feel like people will get what happened. Like they'll get the whole Daniel Bryan Wyatt family of it all. Like, you know, <laughs> like they'll they'll definitely be like, oh, okay, so all of that really douchey shit that Gargano did led us here. I think people would forgive him almost instantly. He's Johnny I, I would hope so. I would hope so. And I, I and I have enough faith in the NXT audience that they would get it. I'm just afraid that it's gonna come off as, oh no, poor Champa. You know and what? I don't want that because he's a freaking psycho. I mean, I love everything about Tommaso Ciampa right now. The way that he hugs Goldie, the way that he mm-hmm. kisses her all the time, and his backstage promos that he's shooting on his iPhone. Yes. The uh, crazy beard that's half gray. Yeah, it I just, love it. It's it's unkempt and yet still sp- splendid all at the same time. I don't, I don't really know how to describe like, the beard. I'm not a beard guy. I bet you he spends like 45 minutes a day making his beard look like shit. Right. Like he purposely <laughs> makes it like, oh, God damn it. It looks too good today. I got to I got to I got to comb this shit out. It's, it's probably true. Um, gray is probably not even real. He's like dying like half of his oh, beard gray. The level of commitment this man is delivering to to the art form. I wouldn't be all that surprised. But let me give you the opposite end of your little scenario there. So. We uh, we end up in another match, maybe a takeover, maybe for the tag team titles. They probably don't win because putting all the gold on them is going to make it real difficult to move it all onto the Undisputed Era within a calendar year, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but then we get Tommaso Ciampa, turns on Gargano again, and the whole premise of all of this is that he wanted to make Gargano the best Gargano could possibly be to fully illustrate how far the gap is between number one and number two in NXT is that he's going to make Johnny Gargano the best Johnny Gargano he's ever been. He's winning. He's got championships. And as we all know, it's about wins and championships. And still, he's still not anywhere near the level of Tommaso Ciampa as Ciampa just stomps him again and puts him through another table and tears our hearts out one more time. Well, I think there's still a whole nother part of this story that needs to be told. And that is that only Johnny Gargano has been rehabilitated at this point. Only Johnny Gargano listened to the champ and only Johnny Gargano has fallen in line. Now it is time for Candice LeRae to listen to Johnny Gargano and the champ Mm. and fall in line. And maybe, just maybe, we can write this god-awful travesty that has been Candice LeRae inside of NXT. And Candice LeRae defeats Shayna Baszler to become the NXT Women's Mm. Champion because she listened to Tommy Entertainment and she fell in line just like Johnny Gargano. Ooh, all right. I've got so much to say here. Yes, A, penciling her in for... Dakota Kai, if that was the plan, makes all the sense in the world from that aspect of things. Maybe Candice LeRae needs to go even farther than the champ and even farther than than Johnny Gargano to prove to Johnny how ridiculous it is that he's gone as far as he has in the step of Tommaso Ciampa. Maybe she not only beats Shayna Baszler, she beats Shayna Baszler within an inch of her life, and they have to pull her off of the soon-to-be corpse of Shayna Baszler. And now Johnny's like, what the fuck happened to my wife? And it all comes back where Gargano's got to save her from herself, to save him from himself, and then they got to beat Ciampa and take the title. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. Give us that the book. like at least <laughs> two years of end. 
and event programming right there. We did it, kids. All okay. right. That's it. Um we can we can we can fold it up. That's it. The next level wrestling podcast is done. Um, <laughs> we'll pick it up in two years after all that's come to fruition. Um, but yeah, God damn, that would be awesome. All right. Well, who knows, man? I mean, honestly, has any of this not ever been awesome? Like at any point during any of this feud, have we really been genuinely upset with the booking? Well, and it, I think I'm even more attached to it because I was at TakeOver Chicago. I was at TakeOver Chicago, too. I've been there for this, the kickoff of this saga. I was there for the, the street fight. Carly and I'm on the floor watching this all, all out. So I have to go to TakeOver Chicago 3 because I know that that's where Candace is going to defeat Shayna Baszler. Or yes. No, she has to beat her in Brooklyn, and then the whole thing blows up again in Chicago. That's what's got to happen. Ooh, yeah. See, I was at Brooklyn too when they had their uh, their last man standing match. It was, uh, it was, a, it was an event, and I also got to see the greatest super kick ever thrown when Adam Cole kicked Ricochet out of midair. It was fucking amazing, and I was there and I was live and in person, and it was always awesome. But I can beat that. No, no, you can't. Pete Dunn versus Tyler Bate. All right, fuck you. That ma- uh, <laughs> that's the best match I've ever seen in my life. I got to see Sa- I saw awesome. Sasha Bailey won live, so that was that was all right. I was very 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 high up on my wrestling you know awesomeness checklist. But take hey, a- I, I I have one thing I have to ask you about before we get off of the the phone here today. Okay, all right. Well, let's are, do that now then, because I got one more thing I wanted to talk to you about before we get off. Are you watching WoW? I'm not. They stole your gimmick. <gasps> what gimmick? Which which of the many gimmicks that I stole from somebody else did they take? They're making wrestling great again. Who? Um, Jessica Jones is her name. Oh, ah, oh, okay. I'm already in love. For the record, <laughs> I got. Uh, she actually uh, no. no, no, no. But her name is Jessica no. Jones, and she's trying yeah, to make wrestling I, great again. None of this yeah, is good. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. But yeah, between between Scarlett Bordeaux and Jessica Jones, man, you're getting yourself all kinds of heat inside of the women's community. I just would, uh, you know, I would like a comment from the Andrew Bello as uh, to how you feel about single handedly bringing down the women's evolution. Yeah, well, I mean, if I could single handedly bring down the women's evolution, it's probably was not all on that stronger ground to begin with. But then again, I am a man and much stronger than any woman will ever be. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> All right. I, I will quote you on that, sir. Thank you very much. For fair, fair enough. Um, m- muscular density. Although I don't know how that applies in my case because I'm like, anyway. Um, stupid All thing. 43 pounds of the it's Andrew Bell. Seriously. That's just from the waist down. But uh, stupid, <laughs> stupid things said on commentary tonight. We got one for each of them. We got Nigel. Um, who tried to spin that the fight forever chant was the crowd telling Hanson to try to fight forever. As if it like the, the I just what of all how many times have you heard that chant and and Hanson was not in the ring Nigel and, and it was not about I'm the, pretty sure Nigel was in the ring when that chant was invented yeah because I'm pretty sure that it was it was Danielson versus McGinnis is the first time I ever heard that chant and you mean to tell me that here we are like 15 years later and Nigel still doesn't know what in the hell it means. He obviously got hit in the head one too many times. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you listen to the conspiracy horseman on a weekly basis, we know CTA strikes when you least expect it. But, uh, Percy, (laughs) Percy tries to spin that Baszler is the underdog 
in this match. Uh, an idea so ridiculous that Morrow interrupts it with a random generic motivational platitude. Wow. Random generic motivational platitude? Yeah, that's his go-to. Uh, what did he say? In Out of nowhere, completely out of nowhere, he yells, The only time you see success before work is in the dictionary. <laughs> I thought that was a great quote. I was like, oh, wow, I kind of like that. Random generic motivational platitude. It is a cat hanging from a fucking branch away from a poster in a fucking therapist's office. Um, <laughs> believe. Believe. Hang in there. Um, and then... Morrow, to close it out, yes, Morrow is not exempt from stupid things said on commentary. Morrow f- calls uh, Triple H the brainchild of NXT. Well, it, yeah, um, what, what, what else would he call him? I mean, it's the other way around. It's <laughs> NXT. It's the brainchild of Triple H. He is the mastermind yeah. of NXT. Yeah, okay. He's, yeah. he's the soon-to-be greatest wrestling promoter of all time suck on that cody Rhodes. yeah but see morrow says it in such a way that you oh, don't it really legit. care yeah sounded- because you know everything sounds like this and he just wasn't his mind it's great i love morrow ranola yeah sometimes i can't tell if he's just a really good commentary or if he's got some sort of mental disorder he does have a mental disorder haven't you seen the documentary it's fantastic oh That does explain a lot. Anyway, um, anything we want to talk about about the Rumble? Because we literally just hit an hour on this recording, and I think it's a perfectly good time to send the folks home unless we want to chat Rumble. Becky Lynch is going to win the Rumble. Which Rumble? And by the Rumble, I mean the men's. Uh, All right. I'm even down for Becky Lynch to win both fucking Rumbles. I'm okay. I'm down with Becky Lynch winning any Rumble. Um, I do think, like I was saying on on next level, it's like it's either Charlotte or Becky. Or Charlotte and Becky. And there are no other options. That's that's pretty much it. So um, I'm actually leaning towards the old John Cena, Batista, Vince Pulls, uh, you know, both quads, um, double winner for the Rumble. And it could be Becky and Charlotte challenging Ronda. My other prediction is Baron Corbin will be number 29. Because anybody who comes out at 29 is going to get booed out of the building strictly for not being Kenny Omega. You might as well capitalize on Baron Corbin's heat. Bring him out at 29. Becky comes out at 30. Tosses Baron Corbin. Becky wins the Rumble. Place goes (laughs) insane. And that's how you go off the air. What are the odds that R-Truth is actually going to be the 30th person in this Rumble? I predict that um, Carmella is going to get laid out backstage. And uh, R-Truth is going to enter the women's rumble at number 30. And that will set the precedent for (laughs) Becky Lynch to enter the men's rumble at 30. What if Becky Lynch comes out in full-blown whatever the Irish version of Mulan's gear would be? Um, And we just, like, it's Billy Lynch. They put, like, a a full-blown Chiron and everything across the bottom of the screen. Like, she just tries to sneak in there as a man without anyone noticing. No, I just want to see Becky Lynch just straight up come walking out there, man. Conor McGregor style start tossing motherfuckers over the top rope. Finish with Baron Corbin. She does have one hell of a Conor McGregor doing a Vince McMahon walk walk. She's got, yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm also looking forward to the big stare down between Kane and Abyss. Oh, okay. You think we're going to get that? 
I, I think that we get that tomorrow. I think I think Abyss will be in the Royal Rumble. I think Kane will be in the Royal Rumble. I mean, even if it's just a 15-second stare down with those two in the ring, like those two clear the ring, have a giant stare down, big brawl. They both go over the top rope. And that was Abyss's contribution to the WWE. And then he can go backstage and be a producer. Yeah, yeah, I know that that's pretty much what they brought him in for. One thing to keep an eye out for, I will say for the Rumble, probably the last Royal Rumble for Goldust if he comes out, right? Like they'll probably, they'll probably give him one last spot here. We're probably not going to see him on TV until he dips out and goes over to AEW. So could very well be the last time we get to see Goldust. So, you know, keep that in the um, back of your heads when his, when his music hits and you're like, oh, Goldust. Yeah. Oh, Goldust. I'm also hearing that there is a very good possibility that Kevin Owens will have a limited clearance for the Royal Rumble. And what I would love to see is the music hits and Kevin Owens comes out and he gets in the ring and he immediately gets knocked out and just throws a fucking temper tantrum at ringside. And then we don't see Kevin Owens again until after WrestleMania. That'd be cool. Be cool if he got eliminated right away and then just turned around and eliminated everybody in the ring. Like (laughs) it was like five people in there. Uh, Kevin Owens versus Bobby Lashley for the intercontinental title, please. I'll take it. Um, Yeah. So, that's it, man. Takeover. It's in the can. Takeover Phoenix. One hell of a show. I'm not ready to quite rank it as far as where the takeovers go or this, that, and the other thing. It, it's one of those lists that I got to really put some time into, and I'm doing a superhero movie list at the moment, and that's taking up all my time. So uh, you want to give it a grade? Let's give it a grade, and then we can tell the people where we uh, where we could be found and go home. I'm going to give this a Oh, well, it's a face B slaps, plus. right? We do face slaps Oh, here. face slaps. Face slaps. I'll give it... 4.25 face slaps overall. Yeah, that's pretty much exactly where I was going to put it to, so that was boring. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jargo, everyone, thank him for coming here and joining us and doing another wonderful takeover post-show with me on the next level, hitting the marks. Monday Locker Room, Wednesday Locker Room, uh, HTM Sports, Gorilla Position, Hamid Media, Fuck Your Mother Extravaganza, right here on Hamid Media Group. But uh, Mr. Jargo, where can the peeps the freaks and the geeks find you ah well done mr bello well done well you know i think what we need to start calling this is just hitting the next level i think that's what Ooh. we should just call this collaboration show is hitting the next level let's go with that I like um it. you can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo even though chances are i won't talk to you on social media uh you can feel free tweet me uh hit up the show at HTMPWPod. i very well may talk to you from that account it's just I hate people, and I, I don't really enjoy talking to people other than people like the Andrew Bello, who I only have to talk to like twice every quarter. Yeah, honestly, in those doses, I'm perfectly acceptable, I'm sure. Unfortunately for my cohorts over on the Wednesday locker room, Billy Ray Valentine and Strangler Steve, they got to deal with me on the weekly, and God bless them. They are most certainly up for sainthood for doing so. Uh, but yes, as you folks know, I'm sure I am the smoke show, the Andrew Bello. You could find me on Twitter at Bello being Bello. You could find Hameen Media Group on Twitter at Hameen Media Group and hackerhameen.podbean.com if you're not subscribed already. I know what the hell is wrong with you, but it's just a button away. Click and then share and like and subscribe and rate, review, all of that good stuff. Uh, we're pumping out retarded amounts of, of audio content on a weekly basis, and it's all free and it's all quality. All we ask is a couple clicks. Um, but yeah, you could find us right back here. Jargo will be in the Monday locker room. I'll be in the Wednesday locker room. And then I'll be 
on the Next Level Wrestling Podcast. And of course, check out hittingthemarks.podbean.com or what is it? Is it hdmpod.podbean.com or did I get it right the first time? You were right the first time. Oh, God damn it. I knew I should have went with my first instinct. Hittingthemarks.podbean.com for the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast and HDM Sports. I think that's about all we have for you fine folks. Thank you for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.